Hi, welcome to another Throwbacks episode of the Gen X Replay podcast. As always, I'm Stephanie Watson, and my friend Frankie Hagen is joining me to talk about a pop culture topic that heavily influenced us as Gen Xers. And while we center on that topic, we let the conversation flow to our broader Gen X experiences. We hope you enjoyed this episode where we talk about our back-to-school experiences from childhood through college. Welcome back, Frankie. It's been a little bit of time. It has. <laughs> We've been able to get together. For me, I had to replace a computer, and then I was trying out my uh, other podcast with Hoot, and I had a bunch of other various things going on, but uh, it's good to be back. Good to get back in the, the flow of the throwbacks. It is. It is. I was even having more thoughts for things that I wanted to talk to you about before this podcast in the last week. I was jotting down things going, oh, I want to talk to someone about that. And I might as well do it with Stephanie when we have microphones in front of us. Yes, we should do that. We'll we'll just have to, maybe we'll record a whole bunch of these at one time and and then get them, you know, put them out at separate uh, weeks or something. But today we're talking about back to school and what kind of that experience was like for Gen X. Um, Because we were, you know, we were not in a uh, internet driven world uh, at that time. Uh, The sources of information we had about our schools and classroom assignments were all very, this is a very different kind of experience, as well as registering for classes in college. I remember uh, very different um, for some of us. So uh, I, I kind of just want to go on all the way back to before school starts and we're getting ready for the school year as elementary kids or high school. And we're going shopping for the school supplies. Tell me a little bit about kind of like the key school supplies you felt like you needed to have every year. Was there something you always said, I have to get this particular kind of pen or this kind of notebook? You know, now that I am in a parental mode, I'm very Mm -hmm. thankful for the fact that I can print out PDFs of supply (laughs) lists from teachers because that's what Mm -hmm. I do. and I try to struggle and think, what were my parents doing at the time? Yeah. You know, were they receiving a mail out or something that I'm not aware of? Because, you know, as a kid, you're like a character in a movie. You mm-hmm. don't know all the other things that are the outside forces that are shaping mm-hmm. what it is you need necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, so you'll be standing in an aisle with your parents in Kmart and they'll say, you need three notebooks like this. <laughs> You know, you'll you'll go dig for them. I mean, I was never one of those kids who like had to have the markers that smelled like different colors and flavors, (laughs) the type thing. Or you know, it was it was more about you know getting what I needed. I liked fancy ballpoint pens, and I still do as an adult. Like I will I will admit in my capacity as a realtor. I have, I'm one of those people who will buy like the, the $12 pins from uh, a FedEx Kinko's that are like the uh-huh. steel plated ones 
and I will keep those in my computer bag and those will be the ones I will whip out and use personally mm. while like you know when I use ones that are just laying out at someone's office it's like the equivalent of eating McDonald's cheeseburger where you're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> when you when there's a nice steak available. <laughs> yeah, I'll use your crummy pen if I have to. <laughs> right. That, but, you know, uh, the thing that I've gone over with my daughter a couple of times recently, who mm. she's starting as a freshman in high school this year, mm. you know, a lot of what you learn with the early school supply stuff is you're getting these tools that help you organize yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And what's funny is how things that we thought, oh man, this is the bomb. You know, now we have such techie things in ways that we can do it. That's totally different. But, you know, getting index cards, if you were going to have to study oh. or create flashcards for yourself, yeah. I was big. I was big on the index cards. And, uh, of course, one of the things you and I were talking about ahead of time, the Trapper Keeper was this amazing oh, yes. organizational tool mm-hmm. that, that was designed for the Gen X child because it came out in the 70s and really had its life throughout the 80s and into the 90s very well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that And was, it became a centerpiece of all your school supplies because it contained it everything else. <laughs> it did indeed. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my specific memories involve a Kmart that was very close by our house in Charleston mm-hmm. and going and standing in those aisles. Less so with the grocery stores because that was still before what we think of as these big box grocery stores that we know of now. Yeah. You know, like the the whole huge Walmart slash grocery experience, the whole you know, uh, target type experience wasn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. way right. that you can get a lot of other things so half the time you were either getting what you needed from a place like Kmart or mm-hmm. or like one of the little drug stores that might be close to your family yeah yeah and grabbing and grabbing those kind of pieces and and it know, was it was roses for us we went roses. To roses yeah, yeah. <laughs> roses. oh I remember um, and I don't know if you have any memories like this. Our school actually would do like a open house that was right before school started where parents could go and meet the teacher and get the classroom assignment information. And then the teachers at that time would mention supplies that they needed people to bring. Um, and I, I don't, remember it being a consistent thing but I do remember that experience where there was some and it was always at night uh, there was some night time that we would go to the school building because I always thought it was weird that we were going to school at night uh, <laughs> and we would meet a teacher and then uh and then get information about school supplies. So it it was that opportunity for a parent to meet the teacher and and get information. Uh, Did you have anything like that? Do you have any memories of anything like that? You know, vaguely, and as soon as you said it, I thought that's probably what happened to me too. Mm -hmm. But that specific memory, you know, it's kind of lost the time 
Mm. Or, you know, because I'm, I'm vaguely aware of going to the school for open houses and festivals, mm-hmm. parent-teacher yeah. meeting type things and putting that together. In mm-hmm. particular, I can remember that more in my elementary school and, and less so in my middle school where I think it was more of, you know, things being brought home to the parents and, of course, similar going into high school for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I also seem to remember, well, I was in a very small town and the small town had a newspaper and I seem to remember the newspaper publishing uh, teachers or classroom assignments or something uh, so that that information was publicly available before we went to school as well. But I, my memory on that part is a little vague. It might have been... Uh, you know, different each year. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but I do remember the open house thing. Um, that was something I think I remember more because when my brother started going to school with me, we would have to go to both classrooms, both his and mine, mm. <laughs> during the open house night. Yeah. So with, uh, with putting that together, I want to, I want to circle back to, uh, what I think is the central school supply of the Gen X experience, which is of course the Trapper Keeper. Of course, of course. And a new one every year because those things got beat up. <laughs> yeah, because ha- it was the Velcro really. After a while yeah. it was gnarly and it didn't close quite as well. Now, before we talk about the actual background of the Trapper Keeper, I have mm-hmm. to ask, I don't remember ever personally doing a character or franchise based trapper keeper not the trapper keeper itself at least i might have had folders that had something on it you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i don't think i ever had anything outside of a, a single color trapper keeper with the trapper keeper logo stuff on it and that was about it did you ever do any of the character or or a popular culture type stuff that would have been available with trapper i don't think so i i remember i clearly remember having a red one when i was younger um and i also had one later on that i think had a unicorn design on it unicorns and fun colors was were so popular i mean there was a whole series by mead that uh had unicorn logos on it (laughs) and they were all these color coordinated things with purples and teals and pinks and uh that was kind of the color palette i was drawn toward Mm-hmm. So I remember really more being drawn toward the colors and not so much the designs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can feel yeah. that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I feel like that's probably, I've always been someone who my interests change so quickly or, you know, I, I remain interested in everything I'm a fan of. But the level at which I'm engaged in any one particular fandom is like a little wave. <laughs> so, so oh, like, God. You know. yeah. No, I was trying so, to explain that to, a, yeah. to my daughter just just uh, the other day. 
-hmm. because I was even telling them, yeah, I said, oh yeah, you know, when I started off, I was very hardcore Star Wars as a kid, but then, you know, and maybe a little bit of Doctor Who, because that's what I was seeing on PBS. And then I had friends who really got me into Dungeons and Dragons. And that was like my thing, you know, through a lot mm -hmm. of my years with a little bit of comic books splashed in. And then really that focus kind of rolled more into that right. until I really discovered dancing. And then dancing took a ton of my time, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so I've kind of shifted back and forth. But yeah. the way you were... Uh, the way you were kind of framing that, I think was kinder mm -hmm. than how I would frame it. Because <laughs> I think a lot of us, and this is my experience, elementary school is one thing. And I don't really remember a trapper keeper, you know, and maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I think, you know, a lot of people get introduced to them in their middle school years. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is the time when you are terrified of standing out from anyone else. Mm. And anything you like, if you're putting it out there, you're mm -hmm. setting yourself up for ridicule or criticism. So mm. I feel like a lot of kids, particularly at that point in time, would probably gravitate towards the more generic ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that they wouldn't have any chance for any conflict or discussion at that point with uh, any of their friends. Yeah, for me, there was also, there was a trend of stickers, too. So we would go out and buy really pretty stickers to put on folders and the Trapper Keeper and book covers and, you know, whatever we could put a sticker on, we would put some fancy sticker on it. And I even remember going to a particular store in the mall that had rolls and rolls and rolls of stickers to buy. And so I would buy these stickers and so I would tend to choose like a, a plain color of mm. folders and notebooks and stuff so that I could decorate it with stickers and not cover up the design. <laughs> so I was really big into my stickers. <laughs> Love me well, stickers. Trapper Keeper was designed by a company called Mead. Right. Mead was yeah. huge and they still yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, their heyday is really like our jam. It's between the mm -hmm. 70s and the 90s. You know, it really. Yeah. And apparently the original, the first run of Trapper Keepers had uh, a snap close. But the ones oh. that we're more familiar with, they they developed it towards the Velcro closure. Yeah, that's what I had was those Velcro closures. Yeah. But now, I mean, and like I like what we were discussing, just so audience members are aware of it mm -hmm. they uh they did have a lot of themes for them mm. like there were like cartoon television show video yeah. game stuff and i think really that kicked in as you got later because probably after 1988 or so they had a lot of very designated designer series kind of things that came out with trapper keepers but mm -hmm. I mean, particularly as you got, and, and you and I, we would have been getting out of high school by in the 92, 93 timeframe. So yeah, yeah. I think some of the more bizarre designs were coming out after we were gone. <laughs> yeah, so the, my brother's era, which would have been. So I, I left high school in 91 and then he was would have been there from 91 to 95. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that and 90, different. 
different time. <laughs> I mean, so early 70s, I mean, late 70s and the 80s were one thing, but their designer stuff really hit between 88 and 95. Mm -hmm. So that's when you were looking at everything from Garfield to Sonic the Hedgehog on those things, which again, yeah. I don't think that's really my experience. Mm -hmm. I tended to like really general designs. A lot of the things that I was into, and I, I don't know if this might've been a little bit of the influence, but a lot of things that I was into were considered boy things. So, yeah. so um, not something I would have asked my mom to buy for me because she was adamant that girls do girl things and boys do boy things. So, right. uh, so, you know, I, it's not like I could just get a He-Man uh, or G.I. Joe <laughs> or, you know, I, maybe Star Wars, if I had, had interest at the time, I, I had that weird period where whatever I was interested in kind of came and went really quick. Yeah. Um, and so there wasn't any one fandom that I could say I was a fan the whole time. Uh, and I was really getting into music. So what I was really a fan of were the musicians, the bands and the music uh, and not so much mo movies and TV shows. So mm. they, they weren't making Trapper Keepers with R.E.M. on it or <laughs> or with Michael Jackson. I don't know. There might have been a Michael Jackson. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> well, just to understand for the non-Gen Xers, what it is we're really kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. The binder got its name because it was sold with a combination of pocket folders. Yeah. And yeah. the pocket folders themselves are what were called trappers. Yep. So that differed from other pocket folders and that the pockets, three sides connected with the bottom outside edge and mm -hmm. the top as opposed to the bottom outside edge and the spine which would be like the more normal sort of thing so of the folders and the design prevented your stuff from falling out of your trapper keepers pockets it's kind yeah. of like why they were designed that day when it was closed so as opposed to like like a straight folder it had this yeah. stuff that was in it it kind of kept everything inside the actual trapper folders and trappers were three hole punched mm -hmm. so you could put them in a three ring binder including the trapper keeper which actually had a a little three ring in it and if i remember mm -hmm. the three ring binder inside the trapper keeper itself was not a huge three ring binder typically no was, and i believe it's plastic as well so yeah and it had a little slider so instead of pulling the rings apart like if, if you got like the traditional metal ring binder, you had to pull them apart or use little handles on yeah. either end to pull it apart. But the Trapper Keepers was plastic and had a slider. Slider, so yeah. Slider would move the, the thing in and out. Um, plus it designed the ring such that it would lie flat. So when you opened your Trapper Keeper, everything was flat instead of kind of you know bulging out depending on well some of us it did kind of bulge out because we started putting so much stuff in it <laughs> oh yeah 
but we would have a different trapper for like every subject or maybe if you didn't have room to put or or had some that didn't require a whole trapper maybe you put two in one trapper one on each side or something that had places you could label your subject and I remember that a lot uh, eventually I stopped using the trapper keeper but I kept using the trappers <laughs> yeah the folders yeah, the well, folders yeah yeah that makes sense well you know everybody was developing their organizational styles and yeah. I think the initial thing that appeals about a trapper keeper, you know, and I'm a very anal retentive uh, Capricorn. <laughs> so I'm one of those people who for therapy for myself will organize things. I know? do that. I do that as well. That is, that is one of my things. <laughs> a lot of hobbyists, I think the organizational aspect of it, you know, like yeah. as a DJ, I'll go into my music library and I'll categorize things very carefully. And I often refer to it as a Japanese rock garden. You know, the Japanese have <laughs> yeah. rock gardens that they rake around and yeah. you know, calm them down. And most people's hobbies give the same sort of comfort when they're doing the organizational part yes. of the hobby. Yes, but as absolutely. I've said before, entering into middle school and high school in particular, you're getting upgraded with your organizational skill sets. That's right. And those of us who have problems with how certain things look trapper mm -hmm. keepers did answer that in a lot of ways if you had a typical three ring binder the older metal ones i think the newer ones now that i've seen work a lot better but you would have that thing where eventually one of your metal teeth would not connect correctly with the other metal tooth yeah be kind of off and it would drive you crazy and sometimes mm -hmm. if you were nervous in class you would try to put the two metal pieces back together Yes. And then it would flip back like somebody with a really bad underbite or overbite. And it's like, you can't get braces for your tracker keeper. The, I mean, not your tracker keeper, your, your binder at that point in time. So mm -hmm. that, was, that was a thing. And also, if you put a lot of stuff in that kind of binder, just because the way the metal ring was in there, what would happen was certain pages would get this like weird folded clip in them. That oh, you would yeah. Have. Uh -huh. And it, and if you wanted your pages to look nice, that was super upsetting and distracting. Yes. So mm -hmm. people who wanted their paper to look nice, the folders and, and the way the Trapper Keeper was built was a nice alternative. You yeah. Know, if you had Now the Trapper Keeper still had round rings. It did. Uh, but, but another thing I think that kind of attracted me away from it was the D ring binders because the d-ring had a flat edge yeah. against the spine yeah so so your pages wouldn't be rolling around this ring while you're carrying it somewhere they stay yeah. kind of neatly on one side of the ring so yeah i was a little i was really obsessive about that i was like i i'm gonna find the right d-ring binder in the right size yeah, the D-rings, I think, moved a lot of people away from Trapper Keepers, mm -hmm. especially if you were doing multi-subject stuff. Yeah. Getting nicer looking D-rings to, yeah. to do it. Well, but, and by, the thing is, is that a lot of things that were good about the Trapper Keeper kind of were that you could take it to all your classes. So it contained everything and you would take it everywhere. But 
when I got to, into high school, I had a locker. So I would just go, I just did notebooks and folders yeah. because I didn't need one thing to contain all my work. I could leave what I didn't need in the locker uh, between classes. So I never made good yeah. use of my locker in high school. I, uh, I organized my stuff to take it with me mm -hmm. and I rarely made those trips to it. And I had a hard time with the combination. So a person who professionally opens houses for people for a living had a very <laughs> hard time with his locker in high school. Yeah. I always felt like a can of WD-40 would have fixed a lot of my problems. I had the backpack thing by high school and um, in my backpack I would put multiple classes worth of stuff but I would make I would coordinate it so I had like two or three trips to the locker during the day but not between every class because there was it was just impossible to try to do it between every class oh yeah uh, even in a small school it was it was pretty pretty impossible especially with people waiting at lockers to get to other lockers and but uh I, re I remember coordinating that and so notebooks became more important to me the spiral notebooks and i tried very hard to keep my little spirals and my notebooks from collapsing or unraveling <laughs> in the middle of the year uh sometimes i would just ask to get another notebook for a class in the middle of the year just because the first one was just really beat up even if I had room <laughs> left on it. Uh, I, I was trying to be frugal and, and continue to use it all year but yeah I just yeah. <laughs> South Park in its uh, fourth season mm -hmm. uh, the 12th episode of that season which was the 60th episode of that series is entitled Trapper Keeper. Really? Oh. Yeah. And basically Eric that. Cartman gets a Trapper Keeper that is an upgraded, you know, it's it's the Dawson's Creek track Trapper Keeper, <laughs> Ultra Keeper, Future S two thousand. Okay. And it has incredibly advanced computerized features, including a television, a music player with voice recognition. It had OnStar and the ability to automatically hybridize itself to any electronic peripheral device. Wow. So the whole thing is basically a Terminator, you know, plot line where the trapper mm -hmm. is basically like Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the boys have to the boys have to defeat the trapper keeper before the end of the episode because it merges oh. with Rosie O'Donnell at one point. It's it's a, oh. it's a great super messed up episode that oh, okay i'm gonna have to go see it and you know back to school it, it was just a good feeling i think it was just having something to do because i was not someone who saw my summer as something to look forward to because i was bored mm. <laughs> like i wasn't doing any organized activities i didn't feel like i was learning uh mm. or whatever um you know it was I guess nice to have lots of free time in the summer but I wasn't going to camps or, or or anything and I mean there was a church camp that I started going to at one point but that was only like a week so but yeah I mean for me I just looked forward to being back in school again 
and I, I always enjoyed the fall it, just in general with the temperature changes and getting new oh, clothes same. as well it's always the you know buying new school but that's clothes. the thing that's the thing that kind of shows your transformation into a teenager mm -hmm. and as you start to develop your own sense of identity that is where the most clashes tend to occur with people's parents mm. is that back to school shopping for what oh, you're going to yes. wear and where you're going to shop. And if your parents are frugal, you know, and the places they're taking you and, you know, it's like the, uh, the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince parents don't understand <laughs> track. <laughs> it came yes. out when I was a teenager. You know, and in retrospect, you're very sympathetic of your parents because you're like, oh, so they weren't a budget and this had to happen and these other things. But when you're young and you feel like every decision you make is so drastically important for things like that and you don't feel you're being represented and you have these ideas of things that you should wear where your parents are like, oh, God, no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. And then in retrospect, a lot of times you're like, yeah, they were probably right. That was probably, it. It probably <laughs> a bad move on my part to try to pull off that look. Yeah. I didn't so jump on every trend, but there were a few that I was like, I've got to have this. I have to have these shoes or these jeans or a t-shirt that looks like this or something yeah. in this color. Or, yeah. There was always yeah. something. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I did a lot of negotiation with my mom who made those decisions um, in that I wanted one piece that was something I wanted. And then <laughs> the rest of it was things she could pick out. And then I could decide if that was something I wanted to do. And then there were times where she would buy stuff for me that I can't say I particularly liked, but she always tried to buy things that she thought I might like so she would get someone in the store to help put together clothes for me um, if she was buying clothes for me so she she wanted other That's people's smart. opinions in the store yeah so not every time that she got something was I protestful so, <laughs> so that does uh, that does give you certain memories you know and yeah. here's the thing that I remember I was I was developing my love for English, mm -hmm. particularly through high school. I was mentored by some great English teachers. And the thing that I miss using from that time frame, not necessarily, I guess, a school supply, but I was a fan of a nice electronic typewriter. Oh yeah, nice. My, my dad had one of those really nice quality electronic typewriters in his office that I would write a lot of school papers on. Mm. And I enjoyed there's something very tactile about using a typewriter. There's something mm -hmm. very deliberate about the keys. And when you touch it, how it like, it's humming like a washing machine, you know, <laughs> yes. like, or a dryer. It's got like this like electrical vibration to it. There's mm -hmm. something that when I first started trying to write work assignments on a computer, I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> and I realized over a period of time that I was missing that feel, you know, <laughs> that was what I was missing. That thing that had engaged me in my parents' laundry room, sitting there at that typewriter, you know, cranking out the stuff that I was writing. 
And in my mind, I was telling myself, that's what I need. I need to recapture that somehow. You know? Now, it's interesting you say that because uh, I have, uh, you know, Gen X folks that I've worked with um, who love mechanical keyboards because it gives them that clicky, clicky, clicky of the keyboards they use right at the beginning of typing on computers. Uh, and it, it's a tactile feedback. It's that same kind of, it doesn't feel right thing to, to use a keyboard that doesn't have that tactile feedback. Um, I had an interesting typing history in that my mom had a typewriter she had in college, mecha purely mechanical, no electronics. And I learned to type on that actually with a typing book that she had from a typing class. So I didn't take typing in high school because that was not considered like a college prep type of thing to do. Um, but I still learned. I learned on that mechanical. And then when I did have an electronic or, or an electric uh, typewriter, it de definitely felt different. It felt more like, you know, the, the Apple IIe <laughs> that we had at school or something. Yeah. Uh, and it would, it had a little digital display. So it had the digital line so I could correct all my typing before hitting enter or carriage return. And then it yeah. would spit out the entire line at one time. Uh, and that one I think had the ability to have it like that or to go back to having it do one letter, one character at a time. And it had its own correction tape in that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I understand. I have uh, another friend of mine who um, has a classic uh, mechanical typewriters. Uh, I think it's that hipster movement thing of wanting to oh, type sure. on an old mechanical typewriter. Well, but I think I, I still type heavy to this day, probably because I learned to type in that kind of uh, setting. Yeah. And if you move to a Mac, mm. Mac kind of make it like everything is like you're casting spells. <laughs> yeah, you know, you it's could all, just wave it's all like this kind of stuff and <laughs> while you're yeah. whipping your fingers around. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a learning curve once you get used to it when you come from that background. Yeah, yeah. Even when yeah, I did I, keyboarding, I mean, uh -huh. we were on computers by the time I did that in school. Mm. In high school, it was all keyboarding class. It wasn't like they were making me do it on an electronic typewriter. Yeah, we were transitioning there. Like we still had a typing yeah. class that was electric typewriters and then a separate computer class, uh, business machines mm. or something, I think is what they called it, where they taught just kind of some basic computer stuff. And it was all, there was a lot of word processing in that as well. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I had that exposure at home. So I guess I didn't necessarily feel like I needed it in high school because I, I we did have a little PC at home, not online. Like I didn't have the modem thing. Like yeah. when I got to college, I realized there were people who had modems at home <laughs> in their high school years that were my age. And I'm like, no, not me. That was, that was not us. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was definitely in college before. And I was the first person who had a Same. modem in the house. Interesting. You know, it, yeah. it all came through me. It was never my parents. Like it, my yeah. parents, my parents did stuff like that much later on, like after I had moved out. Mm -hmm. yeah, they yeah, were same. They were kind of coming to the party. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, I, uh, 
I had that exposure in, in uh, college. And of course in college, talking about going back to school, like these days people are prepping computers uh, to go with their stack of books. Uh, for us, it was not so much. <laughs> like, if you had a computer, great. If, but it wasn't a necessity, you know, and you know, the computer lab was the place where we did all the, the computing if you didn't have one in your room. So I guess I want to jump to just kind of real quick registering for classes. So, of course, in high school and elementary school, that's not a thing. But in college, when I got to college, they had introduced a telephone-based class registration system. So we got a catalog of everything that they offered for the fall semester. And during orientation, they would open the phones up for a period of time. And then everyone just rushed to try to dial into the system and enter the codes. Uh, but even at that time, there were still schools that didn't have a telephonic registration. We're still literally just having tables where you would go and sign up for classes in this in a big gymnasium or auditorium or whatever. So uh, what was your experience like in, in registering, yeah, or beyond high school? I never did a telephone registration. I was always standing in the massive line at my college for registration mm -hmm. with multiple mm -hmm. tables. Yeah. And when I started going to college, I was at a technical college mm -hmm. and it was like, you brought your snacks and everything and you got in this like huge line and it was like you were freaking auditioning for American Idol <laughs> and you you were flipping through the book because you had your primaries of the class that you were going to try to get in and if you yeah. couldn't get in certain things you had what your backups were going to be you know to to work that out and I remember standing in the line and I remember going on a date with a girl I met standing in the line one year mm -hmm. because we had had a long conversation through the course of waiting to get registered. <laughs> yeah, I've heard people talk about meeting people uh, during registration day, you know, getting to know yeah. people that, and, and what they're doing and, and, and for that to end up becoming a social event. And the pains of standing in line like many hours in advance. I There were photographs I saw of students in lines in the classes prior to ours. I feel really lucky that when I got to college, they had introduced the telephone system. Now, the reliability of the telephone system was a little iffy in the early years because there were only so many lines. So there used to be this joke about putting your phone because you you can only do this on a touch tone phone because it does it by touch tone sounds you would put your phone on speaker and just hover your hand your finger over the redial uh because you would get a busy signal like over and over and over again as soon as the the lines opened and suddenly uh, you would get, you would have to be really careful because instead of the busy signal, you would get welcome to tracks registration. <laughs> so I got to hear that so many times. But you make it uh, sound like this is movie phone. <laughs> welcome to tracks registration. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. and the thing was, is if you were in the habit of hitting that button 
every time you heard a sound and you weren't careful, you could accidentally hang up on the success because you were just so used to hitting redial for however many minutes you had probably been sitting there trying to. And, and the people who were really in heavy competition to, to do that were your freshmen and sophomores who, you know, it was a little bit higher competition to get into certain classes at certain times to get the, the classes you need to get the 10 o'clock class instead of the eight o'clock. Oh my God. I had an eight o'clock Spanish class and I was like, oh no, I don't want to get up so early. Yeah, everyone's competing for like the, the nine o'clock, 10 o'clock classes and trying to avoid all the eight o'clocks. Oh, yeah, I, well, there's so much just, I think the rest of the back to school experience, a lot of it is very mental, very, very emotional, you know. Yeah, I would agree. Of getting back into a familiar routine. Um, new school supplies to to put down the wisdom of the world onto right <laughs> and the yeah. new clothes that you get to show off and all this stuff in middle school uh, and high school like finding out who you knew in your homeroom if anybody was oh, always yeah. a real thing you know and then mm-hmm. that kind of became your base of operations for for setting the day and ending the day you know yeah 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 I I was one of those that uh, for as much as I didn't like a lot of things about my school experience, I did enjoy just going to school because it was, it kept my mind engaged and I found the process interesting, particularly math and science. So that, that was my big area, but I wasn't a big reader and I was a very slow reader. So it was very difficult for me to get through like reading classes, <laughs> but, uh, but I did. I did. I also love my social studies and history stuff. Oh, yeah, same. same. Well, I think we've uh, really talked through a lot of topics. Was there anything else you wanted to, to cover? Anything else that um, popped into your mind while we were going through this? Just that now, you know, the current generation is having to think of face masks for mm-hmm. a school That's supply, right. which is which is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, and other things like that that we would have never considered you know, uh, yeah well and i wonder if the kids in in elementary and middle school you know or, or even high school you know there's a lot of excuses that drop away uh, yeah by doing it electronically you know the the commuting excuse or, or whatever it, it the, it's a different set of excuses like Oh, my internet wasn't working or the computer wasn't booting. <laughs> but but the old excuses, some of those kind of drop. Exactly. Less important. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's where we can uh, wrap this one up. And yeah, we'll definitely need to talk about the topics we'll cover next. I, I'm excited to hear, uh, to pick your brain onto all the things that's been popping into your head lately. Uh, and this, this is a great time of year to, to talk about some fun topics. So let's do Yeah, that. I have a friend that I grew up with who was like, when I was coming up in the 80s and 90s, he was mm-hmm. like the horror friend. Oh. And I'm thinking if I could pull him into doing Nightmare on Elm Street for us. Ooh, nice. Because he was the kid who had the Freddy glove and had all that stuff that my mom would have never bought me in a million years, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that was his jam, you know? And I was like, oh, that would be a great person for us to bring in and talk. But I was also thinking there's like, we should, we could potentially do a few different albums too. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like we should do the Thriller album at some point in oh, time. Oh, yeah. We could definitely talk about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I will let you go and we will talk again soon. Thank you for tuning in to this throwbacks episode of the Gen X Replay podcast. To follow Frankie between shows, look for him at Dance Frankie H on Twitter, as Frankie Hagen on Facebook, and at his dance instructor or real estate websites, dancefrankie.com and frankiehagen.com. To follow me between shows, look for Stephanie Does VO on Twitter and Instagram, and Jacory on YouTube and Twitch. I'll put this info and lots of other fun links in the description for this episode. Subscribe here so you don't miss our next throwbacks and other fun podcast episodes. And help us boost the signal on this podcast by sharing it with friends. Currently, we host on Anchor.fm and aggregate to Apple, Google, and Spotify. Until next episode, be safe out there.